Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we want to talk to you guys a little bit about what the difference between just working out and training for sports performance is. There is a difference. I know it doesn't seem like there is, but there's a much there's so much research that has gone into sports performance and focusing on trying to increase the overall output of an athlete versus just focusing on aesthetics and bodybuilding which is what working out used to be and what a lot of people that haven't spent time studying the exercise science portions of things push their athletes towards when in reality it's it's probably hurting them more than helping them so alex since this is your main area of expertise in the strength and conditioning realm, what's the difference to you? I think the difference is a plan, um, a plan of attack and a very defined end game or goal. Um, when I think about working out, I think about um, the act of, of being physical and moving your body. And I think about going to the gym with your bros or, or kind of deciding I'm going to do this today, or I need some extra cardio. I'm going to do this or, um, just adding on physical output to your training scheme, to your workload. When I think about um, training, the exactly I just said it there, I think about a scheme, a coherent plan that has an end goal in mind within which you're making steps towards an end goal of performance, an end goal of increasing quality, an end goal of um, some type of output, whether it's measured or subjective, but when we think training and we think sports performance training, obviously we have a goal, a plan in place, and we're using uh, evidence-based, evidence-informed practice to accomplish those goals where a workout is just an individual segment of going to the gym or a workout has its place within a training plan or training, but training is the end game, is the, um, the goal. And the end all for sure. And focusing on all of these different aspects, what I guess in general, why why is it so important to have a sports performance coach on staff with you versus versus just I guess either following a muscle and fitness, which is what it used to be. You go into muscle and fitness, you see what the workout of the month is or whatever the fuck it is, and that's that's what people were doing. Why is it so important to have somebody that knows your individual needs and, or can provide that plan that you talked about? Exactly. You you hire an expert in this physical preparation to curate a plan um, for you or for your camp or for this end goal. Um, You can certainly go out and plan it yourself or try and transform your workouts into training and create a program off of it or do this and that. But Again, that's still um, a little bro-ish, a little bro-y. Um, uh, that's what you do when you, you start to train hypertrophy or you start to go to the gym and I'm going to be a bodybuilder or I want to do powerlifting. Like that is self-driven and that has its time and place. And again, you should be invested enough in your training to start learning at, uh, about it. But literally hiring expert in the field at physical preparation, somebody that has a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a doctorate, um, any of these individuals, and they all exist. Like there's a lot of strength coaches that I know with doctor degrees or, um, 
and, or just straight up medical licenses. Um, so going out to hire an individual like that, who knows the research, who knows how the human body should work, knows how to assess your human body and how you move. And then, uh, implement and dose the right type of methodologies and the right type of, um, training to get a desired effect. Um, here, here's a good example. Like a lot of people know how to go to the gym and either get bigger or get more muscle, um, a fair, fairly low, um, there's a low prerequisite to learn how to get stronger, how to put on more muscle. There's a high requisite to increase somebody's power output in a six second bout. There's a high prerequisite and understanding needs to happen in order to get somebody to move efficiently and effectively. I think that's one of the biggest overlooked thing is the actual movement behind everything. Um, there's a high education prerequisite to know how to create an annual plan. I mean, should just an in-camp plan, um, to monitor the training load, to uh, dose the correct type of adaptations and qualities that we want for this specific fighter. Um, it's it's like you're going to go to, you know, a workout, maybe going out to eat and going to McDonald's where a training program is, you know, working with a registered dietitian. That's kind of how I look at it. <laughs> it's true, right? It's, huh? it's how there's always people that want to do fast food. There's always people that want the convenience of, hey, this this food is going to fill me up. But is that food what's best for your overall health? Is that food what's best for your inside? Is that food what's best for feeding your muscles and your organs and all these different things and making you operate at 100%? The same thing can be applied for your workouts that you're doing. You can do some boilerplate bullshit. <laughs> you, you might be able to figure out what's going on and figure out, I guess, like, Hey, maybe I should be deadlifting a little bit, but if you're not periodizing it correctly, if you're not consulting, if you're not maybe regressing because your form is shitty, like Alex said, one of the biggest things I keep seeing overlooked is movement quality. Movement quality should always supersede movement quantity for the most, actually for every part. If that person can't go through that range of motion in a safe and effective manner, why the fuck are we loading it up in the first place? And if we're just focusing on all of these different aspects that I guess, quote unquote, improve performance, but without increasing the overall movement quality to allow that person to use that usable range of motion or that range of motion they should be able to access then they're not getting the overall benefit of the exercise and they're doing at all. Yeah. And that movement quality is damn near impossible to coach yourself into or to be completely self-aware with, because a lot of the times when you're correcting a movement, you're going into something somebody has never done before or doesn't know how to do. Right. So if, if I'm doing a trap bar deadlift for the first time, it's literally, you know, I don't know that I'm rounding my back. I don't know how to not round my back and I've never seen, or I've never, cared enough to watch somebody not run their back. Right. So it's like, how do I coach myself out of that? Like you need a coach or strength and conditioning coach to get you um, into the right movement skills and patterns and orientations. And man, like movement is my first foundational baseline that I try and establish with my clients or with my fighters. It's can we optimize and make this movement efficient and effective? And then how can that efficient and effective movement serve my purposes? There's a, uh, a good 
quote and I, I don't know who to attribute it to, but it's like me. You can't opt- it's my quote. No, it's fucking not. It's never Austin's quote. He just <laughs> likes credit. But like you can't optimize a system that's not robust, right? So if if my athlete is not robust to a different movement capacities and is even proficient as a movement. How am I going to optimize the training effect I can get out of that movement? Because while the movement is not the end goal, like we're not powerless. I'm not teaching you how to deadlift the most you can. I need to teach you how to do a very quality deadlift to get a better training effect. from. Yeah. No. And I mean, yes, but I'll, I'll see your quote and raise you another quote where a good person in a bad system, the system's always going to win a bad person in a good system the system's always going to win. So it go, it boils it down to, hey, having a good system and having a good way that we can promote healthy movement is going to help every single athlete we work with, whether they are the motor moron that has a very, very low training age and nobody knows how to even move their own body. They don't know what hip extension is all the way up to the high level athlete that knows how to do all the, all X, Y, and Z. They've been in the weight room forever. Maybe they were a college football player before getting into fighting in the first place. And they actually were taught properly to do these different lifts, which is fantastic. All of that boils it down to if you have a great system in place that can teach these athletes to move and the movement quality is what's emphasized is everybody's going to get better. That's always something that I guess, think about like, if you have to put an engine in a system, the movement quality is going to be the engine. Yeah. And I mean, why not hire somebody? I like car analogies. I know you do. Um, that one kind of dropped a little bit, but um, why not hire somebody that's an expert at building the system? Like that's where I see a next level strength coach or a good strength coach, good sports performance coach, where they're good is creating an environment and a system that predisposes everyone to enter that system and benefit. Um, you get your good strength coaches that you know can teach movements, can put together workouts, can plan and periodize and do things like this, but the really elite level strength and conditioning coaches that I've seen that I've been around create the system that no matter who you are, when you walk into the system, you're going to be better and you're going to benefit from being part of that, right? It's just, it's a the principles and the systematization and that based approach predisposes people to benefit from that system. And that's hard to do. It's not, it's not an easy task. It's not Oh, I'm going to go get a CSCS and then I can do this, <laughs> you know, like, um, I mean, and, and not that a bachelor's degree and a, and a doctor will enable you to do that, but hours on the floor coaching, um, that background in exercise science and knowledge base and, you know, seeing it done firsthand and, and genuinely creating that program will allow you to be able to do that. Um, so that's, uh, that's to me a, a big indicator and separator of people that are next level, like fantastic strength coaches versus, you know, good or okay. For sure. And so breaking it into a little bit, even a different portion of what we're talking about, tell me what you think the differences are between online programming and in-person programming. I think it's tough. Um, in person, I can be a lot more quality based and quality driven, um, I can see with my own eyes. We can, I can cue, I can um, make in action or live person modifications to the workout. I feel as though in-person coaching is a higher quality form for sure. Um, and that being said, there's 
you know, differences that come there are advantage of the remote training or online training too. Like, you know, I mean, we just went through COVID and that's part of where our online business started. Uh, that's a lot of where my online training started. Um, online coaching is I'm giving you a, a recipe um, for you to cook up and be a chef. Um, in-person training is I'm guiding you through a cooking class, if that makes sense, or I'm there to be a sous chef or, um, I'm there, you know, I don't know, I guess, yeah, a cooking class is kind of the best example yeah. of that. I, I like that first analogy a lot. Cause you see a lot of people nowadays, like that was a big thing in COVID is people, people would have dinner parties where they would hire a chef to come have them teach. And that's a really good example is that it's about the energy. It's about the communication. It's about, it's about what you said, where you walk into some place, you know, you're getting better and you're able to do things that are going to make you better versus the online programming. I honestly, I think that's, that that's the future of sports performance because that allows every really good strength coach. Think about the Eric Cressies. Think about, where I would like to be in my future. Think about where Alex would like to be in his future. Think about the Lauren Landau's, the guy that owns the facility you work at. Like that allows them to scale and still create fantastic programs and help as many athletes as possible. It just takes away from the quote unquote environment aspect of training somebody in person, but you're uh, still getting, you're still getting, like you said, you're, you're still getting the, you're letting, you're letting them be the chef you're just giving them all the ingredients. Well, and I think uh, with remote training as well, I think that even highlights even more and emphasizes the necess uh, wow the need for a great system. You know, if sure. if I have a great system that I transition to an online, let, let's think about teaching a hinge, right? For example, um, as a good strength coach, as an okay strength coach, I might be able to teach a hinge in person. I might be able to get somebody to deadlift very well. As a, a great strength coach, I brought somebody through a set progression that I know is effective through experience or through um, movement patterns, through these different types of knowledge sources. I have this set progression and I plug them into the progression online and that's going to almost be bulletproof. Whereas if I'm an okay strength coach, I program online, I say, all right, four by eight deadlifts. I don't know what those deadlifts look like. I don't know what the quality is. But if I have a robust system and I have a good system, I know I've done a dowel hinge. I've done um, a wall facing hinge. I know I've done, you know, different progressions to allow somebody to earn, understand and learn the hinge. So I know that when I do program the deadlift, it's maybe a phase deep. That's maybe two or three weeks. Um, I know that there's going to be a minimum quality of it. Just like if I'm sending out a recipe, you know, if I send out an okay recipe, like sure, I'm going to get what I set out to make. If I send out a damn good recipe, then even if, you know, your, your cook fucks up and puts two tablespoons of salt or two teaspoons of salt, it's still going to taste pretty good. You know, I'm a big proponent of the more salt, the better. I'll be real honest with you. You like car analogies. And apparently I like chef analogies. <laughs> yes, you do. So that's, that's the thing that we've learned about ourselves in this podcast. I would actually say that it would be more like a hello fresh. It's like a meal prep to go. Sure. Nothing. Not, not any. Yeah. I don't, I don't really have anywhere to go off of that. <laughs> um, uh, you tried though. And that's the important part. It's true. I tried to make comedy. Mm -hmm. I just failed. Like I normally do. I right. laughed though. And that's what matters. Yeah. But back to that. I mean, that's the important of having a strength coach or having uh, someone in your corner. 
barring all of the like the benefits of injury prevention and, and performance enhancement and athletic quality development, um, when you have a good strength coach, th- that's what you have is you have a good system that you know is going to um, increase or enhance your performance, which is not going to just you know be there for extra work to do, which is seemingly what some workouts end up being. Uh, yes. Well, and so this is something that I want to get off my chest and I say it to a lot of people is when you're hiring a strength coach or if you're hiring a healthcare, somebody in healthcare, while you are paying for their time and you're paying for the program or you're paying for whatever, you're paying for all of the education that they put in to get to that point so that they can help you in that particular situation. That's what I would like to add into this. Hey, why why do I think that you should have a strength coach? Why do I think you should have a sports performance professional that you are able to talk to? Because maybe it's maybe the online programming is the route you have to go. Maybe you're in in Bufu, Alaska. There's nobody around you, but you have access to a gym and you still want to get quality programming in. Guess what? If you're able to talk to somebody like me or Alex or or like all, there's a lot of really good strength coaches out there that are able to effectively be on your side, create that system that Alex keeps talking about, but then also troubleshoot all the different ideas. That's going to be what's best for you. You're not just paying for the program. You're not just paying for, hey, I'm coming in for one hour to the clinic. You're paying for the last 12 years, 14 years, 20 years of their life that allowed them to be the best option for you and be able to fix the problems because, hey, that cookie cutter program that you might buy off of X, Y, or Z site might not work for you. And you need to know how to progress, regress, lateralize all of these different options that might work better for your body. And the only way that comes around is if you get out of the, hey, the muscle and fitness or the bodybuilding approach and talk to somebody that you've already actually had a conversation with, you've talked to a little bit, you have a rapport with, and they know your movement quality and all of these different exercises. Like, Hey, maybe a barbell deadlift's not good for you. If you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know that I'm not even a big fan of barbell deadlifts. What I am a great fan of is trap bar deadlifts or kettlebell deadlifts or modified sumo deadlifts. There's all these different options we can do that might suit your body better. And the only way that you figure out those options is by being in touch with a high quality strength professional that's on your team. So it's not the program you're getting. It's the information and the knowledge they have that can benefit you. Well, yeah. And then you can flip that on the head too. I mean, I think that's a a lot from the coaching perspective or from the coach's perspective, like you're paying for, you know, my education, my experience and my, my system Um, from an athlete's perspective too, is like you're paying for the results. You know, it's not like, it's not that you're just like, again, you're going to pay for a $30 uh, packet program, preset, pre-written, everything. You're probably going to get a $30 worth out of it. Right? Anybody can write up five by fives. Right. <laughs> if you're going to pay for a, a highly qualified individual and a provenly successful individual, you're going to probably pay for the service that they're getting for the results that they have gotten in the past and they are getting going to get for you. Right. So I think that's, that's important to look at too, is like you're paying for your results at the end of the day as well, because I, I can't tell you how many gyms I've been to, how many strength coaches I know, or how many, you know, strength coaches I've seen that don't monitor results, don't see results, therefore don't know if they get results, you know? So I think there, there's got to be that. Um, and I mean, for fighting, it's easy. It's the winner, the loss is the, did you make weight? Did you not? It's the, have you increased power on our exercise performance tests? Yes or no? Like, 
you're paying for the result because whether the results there or not um, isn't up for grabs. You know, it shouldn't be. It should be, yes, the result is going to be there if you put in the work and I've created a good plan for you. Uh, for sure. And so I, think that's I mean, worth mentioning. honest anecdote off of what Alex is saying is, I, I mean, if you follow me, this is going to be released a little bit past. So hopefully I get a win or two in here, but my last three fights that the last three fighters I worked with, they all lost. I'm and three. First time that's ever happened that I've worked with fighters and that, that shit sucked. That shit made me question a lot of the stuff that I did. And I had to go back to the drawing boards. I had to re revamp the programs that I'm doing. I had to revamp. I had to really look at what am I doing wrong on my end that I could have helped these different athletes. And, and how, how could I be more efficient with the way that I'm helping these athletes and the way that I'm getting them to get stronger and get more conditioned and, and be just better overall in the cage. And a lot of the times, if you're just picking up these boilerplate programs, or if you're just doing, Hey, I'm going to do five by five reps at the gym. You're going to get the same results. If you're not actually going back, you're not assessing what's going wrong and what's going right. Cause it's not all about the bad side, right? Two of the three athletes, they were very well conditioned. They did great. I, and I realized I didn't have to, I didn't have to switch a bunch on the conditioning side, but all three, I think I could make stronger. And that's, that is what I went back and I looked at and I talked with our coaching staff and, and I had an honest communication. The only way that, that you get better and you make those changes though, is having somebody that can make the changes for you. You're the fighter. If, if you're the fighter listening, you're the skill coach listening, you guys should focus on the skill side and fighting. That's why you have a strength professional that's on staff and or in your corner that can fix the different variables that are available to you. Because if that's not your strength, you shouldn't have to learn an entirely new discipline to try to fix that thing or just do the exact same thing and get the same result. I know Santino doesn't listen to this, but he always says all the time, the actual definition of insanity is not doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result. But I like that quote because that's it's insane to think about that. It's insane to think that, hey, if you did five by fives, you lost three fights in a row that you're going to go back and do the same five by five routine for strength and conditioning. But guess what? People still do it. Hey, just <laughs> do it harder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't change any, any weight at all. Just fucking do it. Okay. They don't, they don't progressively overload. It's literally, Hey, we're just going to do bench five by five at two twenty-five, And that's what they stick with the entire time. And they wonder why they're not getting stronger. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. And it's hard when you're reflecting on wins and losses as your only uh, measuring stick, right? Because I mean, wins and losses are so multifactorial. Um, and, and so that's, that's hard. And, and I think we, you brought up a good point, like strength and conditioning plays its part and definitely has its role in, uh, performance preparation and, um, and that, but it's a lot of times hard to pin strength and conditioning as the reason we lost this fight or, um, when there's so much going on, you know? So, well, it's an easy out because no matter what you do in a fight, you get tired. Yeah, <laughs> like no matter what, if you go, if you go 15 minutes in a cage, you're going to get tired. Everybody's going to look like they're getting tired, especially if you're losing. So it's an easy, it's an easy person to blame because typically the guy that's lost the fight looks tired. Yeah. That, that's a fair point as well. It's, and I think that that drives a lot of the conditioning around um, mixed martial arts and everything, but we got to accurately assess. And I, th- I like what you said about keeping the good things, because I think too many times people go whole hog, whole hog on their like revamp and like, I got to do everything different. I got to learn yeah. this new technique. I got to yeah. do that. And it's like, 
no, there, there's a reason you've got to where you're at and that you're performing at this level. So trust some of that system and then reevaluate. And that's what every good, I don't care what you are. I don't care what you do uh, professionally, whether you're a fighter, coach, fucking contractor, cement layer, brick layer, whatever you are, you have to be able to adapt to yep. ever-changing mm-hmm. circumstances. Like good fighters make micro adaptations within the fight, make macro adaptations middle in the middle of camps, you know, and, and like good strength coaches make those adaptations in their athletes programs. They make them on their daily uh, routine. They make them uh, just based on like how you feeling today, what went wrong at practice, what hurts, what did you do this? You got to be able to pivot, adapt, and then overcome. And I think that's, uh, that's the beauty of like sports. And I think branching off of that, this is kind of a spin aside. That's what athletes are attracted to. And that's what they see in a lot of strength coaches. I think strength coaches are fairly notorious for having good uh, interpersonal relationships with athletes. And I think it's because within strength and conditioning, you gotta, you gotta kind of be a dog to, to get good at this profession, to quote unquote, make it to um, be a strength coach and to be labeled as a good strength coach or a world-class strength coach. You have to put in the hours, you have to have the drive, you have to have the own, your own get up and go attitude about your profession and your ambition. And I think athletes see that a lot through their strength coaches. And they see that like me as a strength coach, like I'm going to get it. I'm working on myself to be the best strength coach that I can. The same as they're working on themselves to be the best athlete that they can. And I think that communication comes across within a coach-athlete relationship too. Um, so I think I for- completely forgot where I was going with that point, but I think that's <laughs> something that happens. <laughs> it's it's the old to bring it back to the first part of what you're saying, it's the test retest. It's, it's what I do. It's literally what I do in the, in the treatment room. It's what good clinicians do is that you do something, you test, you keep what you do. Well, it's, it's the Bruce Lee quote. I don't, I don't remember what it is. You say it all the fucking time. You just posted it on Instagram. It's keep all the, or keep all the good shit and get rid of all the bad shit. Yeah. Is that the quote? That's not, that's not definitely not the quote. at all. It's, it's absorb what is useful, discard what is useless and add what is uniquely your own. Yeah. That one, that's a little bit more eloquent than keep good shit and get rid of bad shit. <laughs> I like mine better though. <laughs> yes, you do. You fucking narcissist. But, but it's test retest. It's, it's, Hey, does this thing work? Yes or no. If it's no, you change. If it's yes, well then stick with that. And remember that's what got you to the dance. Yeah. Fairly accurate and a hundred percent. So we've gotten here from what's the difference between training and working out. Um, Austin, I gave my sort of answer to that. What, what would you call the difference between training and working out? Um, I think the main difference is purpose. Personally, I think um, working out means that you want to increase your overall fitness. You're going to lifetime fitness or EOS or, Globo gym and you want to hit bench press pec flies and do the stairmaster versus actual like uh what was the other word performance is that the word you use training what i think training is is you have a specific purpose for going to the gym not just overall fitness you're going to the gym to get better at a certain task that day whether that be power whether that be strength whether that be uh a lactic output, whether that be a energy system, whatever it may be, but you're going there with a goal to get better for a specific purpose. Okay. I like that a lot. Um, and a big, 
um, one of the more mental or um, environmental training parts of my training system are what I call intent and effort. Um, and I mean, I, I kind of still let off of like an attitude and effort type of team culture, but intent, what is your intent with each movement that you're doing? What is your intent with your entire program? So just like you're talking about your purpose, like I'm going to increase my power and I need these specific movements and this to help me with that. Um, what is your intent when you're going to perform a lateral lunge? Like, am I performing this lateral lunge uh, for range of motion and mobility? Am I performing it to get stronger in the frontal plane? Like those are two completely different exercises, which I think also gets overlooked in the strength and conditioning world is like, you can change an exercise quote unquote, just by changing the intent behind it. Um, but then effort and effort is uniquely your own, right? Like, uh, I talk about it a lot. I'm not an effort coach, right? Like, like, yeah, I can get the crowd going or I can get the people, you know, amped up with the workout and then a little more in it and feeling good, but I'm not coaching effort. If I see you giving, you know, got dog horse shit effort, then it's like, that's on you, man. Like you got to figure your stuff out and then you're going to get out what you put in. Um, and I'll say that point blank to people. It's like, I'm not a motivational speaker when I'm coaching. Like I, like I said, I'm surely going to influence the environment by my presence, but it's not a juice coach, if you will. So I think the intent and uh, effort are two parts of the system. I think that can't be overlooked is is the um, mental side of training or the culture building type of aspect. For sure. I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather people, if they're just not in the mood to train, I'd rather them just stay the fuck home. I'm I'm not there to be your your energy. I'm, I'm there to make you better. And if I need to give a little energy, I can, but if I have to be your entire, I guess your entire spark, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Feel that. Feel that. And I think two big drivers of that are consistency and commitment. You know, like if people are consistent in their training routines, it makes it easier to find that motivation every day. It makes it easier to do it. Um, And then, you know, your commitment to your goal. Like, are you, are you actually willing to put the work in? Can you remember what you're doing this for? Because if not, like if you're doing this just to, you know, kind of fight and kind of feel it out and figure it out, like it's okay with some people, but I think you're going to get subpar results. Um, I mean, that's the biggest thing that kept me from pursuing mixed martial arts or fighting in any capacity is like, you know, I don't know that I have it in me to to want to commit to being a world champion. If I'm not going to want to or commit to be a world champion, why would I do an amateur level fight straight up? 100%. I'll go do jujitsu competitions. I think that's fun. It's a lot lower risk for sure. But like, if I don't have that like championship run and mentality in me, like if I'm not genuinely doing this to be the best in the world at whatever weight class, then like not, not juice, not worth the squeeze. A hundred percent. And honestly, that's a, I had the same pro- thought process when I was thinking about mixed martial arts for a little bit too. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it is not worth to me. The juice is not worth the squeeze. Right. But, I don't know. I, I get caught up in my head every once in a while. I was like, ah, I could do this. I you know, I want to learn. I could win a few fights. I could blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, what, what's that worth? What's that? I mean, like I, I right now, my practice is I want to get better at um, what my athletes are doing and be able to coach that side of things, you know, technically, tactically as well. But it's not a, a world champion. And I want to be the best. I guess that's a good way. But I want to be the best in the world at learning how to coach this from a strength conditioning aspect. And that strength conditioning aspect encompasses the knowledge of the sport. So I want them training to gain knowledge of the sport to further my strength and conditioning ambitions. Right. So that funnels into that, which is why I train period. Um, it's no longer like a, a performance driven model. For sure. All right. That's a kind of a tangent off of that. 
<laughs> but I, I, let's dive back. That's training, though, because I have a purpose and an intent with it. I'm not just going to get a workout. I'm not just going to do, I'm not just going to, you know, learn this and that technique in jujitsu or, or get some good cardio rolls in, you know. I have an intent and a purpose to genuinely get better at the sport so I can enhance myself at coaching the sport. Yeah. yeah you're, you're getting better at the sport to make the people you work with better. Hey, I'm training. I'm not working out. Feels yeah. good to say. Exactly. I don't know. I work out sometimes. I'll be real honest with you. Oh yeah. There's, there's a <laughs> buy some tries days every yeah. once in a while Friday yeah. for sure. I'm there for some workout days, but for the most part, training is a little bit more beneficial. Yeah. Well, we went on some good rants, I think, or some good yeah. tangents as well, but um, I don't know if you guys needed that one, but I needed that one. There you go. You gotta, <laughs> gotta do it for yourself and then do it for the people. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, if y'all got to get a hold of us, all of our contact information is in the show notes. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, do all the cool stuff that allows us to become friends with your friends. And as always, we have the website available. So we have our, speaking of online programs, we have online programs available. They can be anywhere from, a month by month program that is already preset all the way to completely individualized. Well, the the preset is more semi-private than anything. Um, It still takes what your body and how your body moves into account and uh, addresses it from there. Um, But then we also have fully customizable and individualized programs that goes through an entire assessment process as well that you can jump onto as well as team individualized programs. So getting your team to do an individualized program for you guys. Um, And lastly, as always, this is Dr. Austin Shane, Alex Friedman, and we are out. 